welcome to Cybersecurity Unplugged, the cyber theory podcast where we explore issues that matter in the world of cybersecurity. Good day, everyone. This is Steve King. I'm the Managing Director at Cyber Theory, and our podcast today welcomes uh, Galit Lubetsky-Sharon, the co-founder and chief technical officer of Wing Security. And so we're delighted to have Galit with us today. She is a retired colonel in the IDF Elite 8200 unit, the equivalent of our NSA, for those who don't know. And after 20 years or so leading IDF's cybersecurity team, she co-founded Wing Security with Noam Shar, the IDF's former CISO, to answer a growing need, which is securing the SAS layer. Today, SaaS is used by everyone and anyone in the organization, completely decentralized and mostly ungoverned. Uh, this introduces not only a major shadow IT problem, you all know how I feel about shadow IT, it also creates a whole new attack surface and opens doors to organization-sensitive data. So we'll be talking about all that and uh, welcome, Galit. It's nice of you to join us. Thank you very, very much, Steve. I'm delighted to be here and on this platform. And uh, thank you for the warm introduction. Sure. To set the stage for Wing, could you describe for our audience why uh, SaaS differs from other apps in terms of security and, and kind of what needs to change to make sure it's protected? Sure. So SaaS is actually a great thing. All those applications that uh, we can now use all across the organization from HR, accounting, legal, of course, R&D, marketing, sales, they all have their needs. And each of those needs has a very updated and fine uh, solution that you can adopt easily without asking for anyone to help you with. We all remember the, the old days when uh, you wanted to use the new app and you had to go to the security team or the IT team and ask them to install the app for you. So no longer. It's uh, super easy. Everyone can start using it, sometimes even without paying for it. Just give it a try, provide the permission, start working, do whatever you need to do, move on. So it's completely decentralized, as you mentioned. It's continually changing. And that's super great and super challenging for the security. Because now, where do you even start holding and managing all those applications? Do you even know which applications are being used? Yeah, how do you do that? How do you, what is somebody have an inventory of every SaaS application that's being used in the company? So actually that's uh, uh, the first thing that we do in Wing. We help you discover all those applications because we, we understand, we know, we believe that in order to protect something, you need to know that you're using it. So it's a very, very basic layer. And uh, the good question is, how do we do that? And actually, we have two methods. The first one is super easy. We integrate with the major SaaS applications. We ask the security team to authorize 
through OAuth our access to the account and we collect the data regarding the applications that are connected, the users, the permissions, and we build this visibility map for our customers. That's the first method we connect to your O365 and to your Google Workspace or your Okta and OneLogin or Ping Identity or whatever, and then to your Salesforce and GitHub and GitLab and Zoom and so on and so on. And we retrieve the data regarding those third-party applications that are connected to these major SaaS applications. So that's the first method. It's very easy for the security team. They just need to provide the permission. But of course, it's not complete. How come? Because sometimes users access the SaaS applications directly from their endpoints. It can be from the browser. It can be maybe sometimes a web extension that is installed. Not always the web extensions are just local add-ons. In many, many cases, those are actually SaaS applications that send data back to the vendor and retrieve information back. So it's it's also a, a form of a SaaS. So we have an additional capability to query the endpoints. It's not an agent. It's not persistent super easy, we retrieve that additional information to this integrated list of applications. And as you mentioned uh, before, the eliminating the shadow IT is, uh, is very important. And that's how we do that by those combined two methods. Yeah. And so what? just curious, uh, your direct experience with and user customers, what would you say is the average number of SaaS applications a given company might be running at any point in time based on what you've found so far? Okay. My first hunch would be to ask you to guess. <laughs> Since I have <laughs> the answer, I can say that it's hundreds of SaaS applications. Is that me- right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, medium-sized company, even less than a 1,000 employees would have hundreds of SaaS applications, uh, around 600 uh, in average, and uh, companies uh, with uh, uh, thousands of employees, we see 1,500 applications. Uh, the, the, the numbers are huge. Yeah, for the most part, what data is exposed as a broad question? So I'm just thinking in yes. category, categorical terms, not, not specifics, but what, what kind of data is generally exposed to these SaaS applications? Everything. Where do you even start, right? Mm. It's, uh, it's everything. It's the customer's data when you, when you talk about Salesforce. Than, or HubSpot or any other uh, marketing or sales application. It's your customer's data. It's your project management when you talk about applications like Jira and Monday and uh, Stana. It's your internal information documentation when you talk about Confluence and Notion and so on. So it's everything. The, all, all the documents that are stored on Dropbox and Box. So the data is actually everything you can think of. Yeah. And 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I get that. And when folks use uh, like a third-party SaaS application, do they usually set up a test database with with a copy of what you you know what is this kind of live production data, and and use that to to do their testing with, or do they just lock it right onto the <laughs> to the production data environment? How does that work? So production is usually the infrastructure of the cloud, but of course there are many SaaS applications that are connected to the infrastructure as well. First of all, you need to to, to understand, in order to, you know, to, get, to mitigate the risk, you need to understand the list of applications that are there. And then it's not enough just to have the list. You need to understand the permissions that those applications were provided, right? And with, uh, with the understanding of the applications and the permissions, then you can manage the, the full domain. I think it's not enough. As we mentioned before, since we talk about hundreds of applications, it's not enough to know that you're using, I don't know, Loom or Canva or AnyDo. You need to have some additional information that will help you with making a decision about it. So uh, Wing also do that. We have a, a huge database of SaaS applications. We collect information about the app, the vendor, what this vendor is all about, where it's located, what is the size of the company, information about security compliances, privacy compliances, and we provide our customers with the data about each app so you can make a decision. So now that you have the list of applications being used, you can also manage it. You see the the business information, you see the permissions that were provided, you see who's using it. All in all, you can then make a decision. What do you want to do with the app? Yeah. If you prevent these shadow networks that are created when apps are interconnected, What's the basis upon which you make that determination? I assume you do that automatically, right? Right, right. So how do you know? Do you just say the rule, you have a policy engine or a rules engine that you consult every time you find an interconnected uh, SaaS app? Yes. So we have those two methods that uh, we use for discovery. So once we connect to an app, we can see we can see all the third-party apps that are connected to it uh, and the permissions that they are given. And we see all the applications that we could not see from the from uh, from the API of the uh, major SaaS applications. We can see them and discover them from the endpoints. We then provide information about the SaaS vendors and the the SaaS applications. And we enable the security team to manage it. So once you have a security policy that says, for example, GDPR is very important in our company. We do not want to use applications that do not comply with GDPR. We can help you see all the applications that, that you're using 
and do not comply with GDPR. So you can now make a decision whether you still allow using it because it's crucial, beneficial to, to the team or to the users using it, or disconnect it because it does not comply with the security policy of your uh, company. And we will also help you with uh, managing that process. So not only we provide you the list and the attributes to make a decision, we will also uh, help you in the process of allowing the usage of applications and forbidding the use of the usage of uh, applications. So we can also alert and then uh, help you monitor and make sure that if you you classified as an app as forbidden, no one will be able uh, to use it anymore. Mm-hmm. I understand the compliance issue with GDPR in the United States. I don't think that the compliance regulation uh, requirement extends as far as GDPR does. Do you find that most companies that are looking at you guys as a compliance solution are outside of the United States, or do you actually sell on that basis within the United States as well? So GDPR was just an example. Of course, we look at uh, SOC 2, ISO 27001. So we have a list of compliances. So uh, it's not... I gave an example of the privacy uh, regulation, but it's related to any other uh, compliance standard. And uh, I think it's not about a specific regulation, but more of as a whole. When we provide our security team all the data about the vendor, how big is it? You can see if it's a very small company, up to, I don't know, 10 employees situated, I don't know, somewhere in the world. You're using, your in your company, there are only two, three employees using this app. You cannot make a decision. In order to make the decision easier, we provide additional information, such as the compliances that we mentioned, that we've mentioned. And the is it a public company, a private company? how much uh, visibility they have in different market marketplaces and all these attributes the bottom line help you make a decision whether it's allowed to be used or not mm-hmm. and do you find that most folks uh, are interested in wing because it uh, provides that visibility and protection that it does or or is it more on the compliance side or the privacy side? Okay, so that's a very interesting uh, question because the discovery of the SaaS assets is only the first pillar of the solution that Wink provides. After we have this list of applications, we alert on the major security threats and then we help you with remediation. So the only the first pillar is the discovery of the SaaS applications and the management of it. The second part, which is very important as well, we alert on major security threats. It can be uh, excessive permissions that were given. It can be rare usage of an app. It's not the common way to use this app. 
misconfigurations such as um, accessed um, not through the SSO. We saw that Jen from accounting used the app, I don't know, DocuSign, but she uh, used the a direct user and password access without uh, going through the SSO of the company. So we have many threat alerts. We also uh, discover all the files that are shared with external collaborators and the numbers there are huge. We, we discover sometimes thousands, tens of thousands of files that are shared externally because it's super easy to share. <laughs> you need uh-huh. And uh, think of all the times that you close the shares that you open. So um, I, I don't know how many times did you close it, but I can tell you that many of our customers forget to close the shares. And we do that with uh, almost a click of a button. So very easy to, to remediate. We do not want to leave our customers with the alerts and the problems. We always push for remediation. We want to close those issues. Uh, We know how busy security teams are. We want to remove the load off their shoulders. So uh, it's an integral part of our solution to to remediate and to do it automatically. You can customize Wing to the automatic workflow. So Wing will take care of the threats for you. And that's how you assist in the remediation process, which is a, you know, remediation is a big challenge for most most IT departments. I think, you know, what you just described, is that part of the process or is that the whole process? So, first of all, you need to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you need to, uh, uh, to focus on the main gaps and the main threats and what you need to do. And then, of course, you need to to close those gaps. And we have two approaches to do that. We believe that uh, teamwork is uh, very important. And we want to help the security team to to do their job uh, as uh, easily as possible. So we uh, provide... One uh, method, which is to engage the users in the loop. We know that medicine, for example, shared thousands of files while she worked with, uh, I don't know, a counter partner, and the partnership was ended three months ago. Those files are still open. Those shares are still open. Hmm. And now we can ask Madison to close those shares because she knows that uh, the project uh, ended three months ago and there's no need to keep those shares open. So we can send Madison a message, one click of a button. You know that We know that Madison is also very busy and if it will not be very short, very actionable, she will dismiss it and she will ignore. So it, it needs to be very easy on the go can be an email or a Slack message, whatever is comfortable for the employees to, to engage. And that's the first method. Unfortunately, sometimes employees don't cooperate with the security team. Uh, in many times they do. It makes it easier. 
But in case they don't, we don't want to leave the security team without the means to remediate with the, uh, with the problems. So we always uh, provide the security team the capability to close those issues on their own. And as I mentioned before, once you know what is the workflow that suits you, for example, uh, once we discover files that are open for more than now three months, send automatic notification to the owner. You can send another notification in case you missed the first one. But then two messages that were ignored, that's it. Just close the shares. And we do that. And you can customize it according to your preference. And uh, by that, we help with the remediation. We help closing the gaps. Mm -hmm. Feels to me, since you work in around the access, identity access management space, seemingly a lot or around permissions uh, policies, is there a conflict at all between your product and what the more traditional uh, IAM or CIM applications provide? That's a very good one. That's a good question. Uh, I would say, on the contrary, <laughs> no. it's not. There, there's no uh, contradiction. You actually, you you just make them better, I assume, right? Okay, they, they manage the access. It's mm -hmm. crucial. We can tell things that they can't see. So all the applications that are integrated with your main IAMs are applications that the security team or the IT team, they know about it. They integrated it in the first place. But the third-party applications that are connected to those major SaaS applications are the, the ones that are in the shadows. So we increase the visibility map. We integrate with those IAMs because it's part of the picture. We also help with the, some inconsistencies in case we see that, uh, I don't know, a user was uh, suspended in your Okta, but still has active permissions to your GitHub. Okay, so... We can alert about uh, such uh, inconsistencies, but uh, it, it's not a contradiction at all. Yeah, and all of the, like, presumably, uh, the shadow IT applications uh, and will have not gone, don't have a connection to an IAM system. Otherwise, they wouldn't, they'd be running in, in production or in the main, whatever, data center or data IT organization. You find these things and you say, hey, you know, there's no identity access management on this application. And you report that back to the CISO or the CIO or what have you. Yeah, of course. Uh -huh. so yeah, the and, then, and then, you know, first of all, not all applications, uh, not all the applications have uh, integration with those uh, IAMs, right? Right. So many of them do, but many don't. So first of all, you know, it's not uh, an easy uh, decision to make. You should stop using this app. Galit, stop using this app because it does not have an integration with Okta. But I would say, please, Steve, I need it. It's, it helps me do my job. It's okay sometimes to allow using an app if it's for the right cause. First of all, you know that you're using it. If, it, if there's a breach, if there's something 
that is concerning regarding this app, you can mitigate it. That's why we insist on the very basic layer of discovery and holding this SaaS asset management. But then you can also decide that uh, you don't allow using this app. It's, it's okay as well. You don't want to take the risk. It's not a mandatory need. So you can decide that uh, this application is not allowed in your company and we will help you authorize it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it increases the popularity of the CISO. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. well, actually, I think it will increase the popularity because I remember the days when we used to say that the security teams are the no-nos Yep. The one that you don't do this and don't do that because the, you risk uh, the, the network. Or So I think those days are, I wouldn't say gone. Today, we look for the, the approach that uh, enables work. We want to enable the business to run forward. And SAS is good for business. It, 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 it accelerates the rate of production, productivity. That's why we want to allow our users to use any SaaS they want. We just want to help them do it in the secure way. Yeah, sure. So your spin is that instead of, you're you're not the department of no, but what you do is you just help everybody get visibility into what they are doing and what the exposures and risks associated with that are, right? That's very simple. And they want to continue taking that risk. I guess it's up to them, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if I'm not mistaken, you spent around 20 years or so in the uh, in service to your country in uh, IDF. And I think you retired as a Full kernel, is that is that right? Yes. That's yeah. Right. So so I got a couple of questions about what you're what you were thinking when you were in IDF and assuming that you kind of worked on this topic with Noam. What was but 20 years ago that was a very different world than it is today. What was your original idea for or inspiration for the product? <laughs> uh that you want to reveal. I mean, you don't have, you know, this isn't, we're not, this isn't okay. the Inquisition. I'm just, I'm just curious because, you know, uh, the world changes and, you know, if you don't, yeah. if you don't change with it, you, you know, you, it's hard to be successful. You know, I agree. So uh, it's a good question. Did you, uh, did you target, were you aware? I mean, did you, yeah, I don't think you probably targeted the identity management world or the SaaS world back then, but but it must have been around um, uh, what happens in shadow IT, maybe? I think that uh, I will not go into a lot of details about uh, exactly what uh, we did uh, in the days that we were in the IDF, but I can share a lot of insights that we have since uh, Noam was the CISO of the first CISO of the IDF. Yeah. We have a a background, a rich background of uh, cyber, uh, many years in the offensive and then uh, in the defensive uh, side. And uh, walking in the shoes of the CISOs, I 
I, I must tell you that I understand or we understand that solutions to the security team must be super easy, very um, rewarding. It's, it's a very specific job. So you want to plan something that will call you to come back to the system because you see the progress. You see something that is improving. It needs to be very intuitive because you have so many uh, systems that you need to manage at the same time. With that understanding, I think it's something very uh, substantial that we took when we established Wing. We wanted Wing to solve a very big problem and to turn it into a very simple solution. Uh, it's a challenge, but we like challenges. Yeah, sure. And it seems you have done that quite well. I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't have your product installed. I certainly would. Uh, last question, and and this is, again, from your perspective um, in the military. If we look at the future of cyber defense, and by the way, I, I asked you that prior question because our audience, uh, some of our audiences, you know, from our cyber ed initiative, which is, you know, online education and training for cyber security. And people are always interested in, you know, how did you get here? What was your, how did your career path evolve? What was it about cybersecurity that, you know, that got you interested and et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of why I, why I asked that question. But in terms of future cyber defenses for our countries yours and mine are you are you confident that we can compete uh, on that battlefield and are we doing all that is necessary right now to engage with enemy adversaries just to be blunt what's <laughs> uh, your opinion uh, uh, okay so can we I think that the short answer is yes uh, is it an easy one? And uh, no, uh, because uh, let's take the SAS domain uh, as an example. It's a, it's a growing field. It's, uh, it's growing rapidly. It's changing. And uh, we're, with all that good that we just uh, discussed, there are also the uh, opportunities and there will always be those that will try to exploit, uh, to exploit the situation. So it's a game of, you know, um, I don't know, thieves and cops. It's uh, cats and mice. It's a never-ending never uh, situation. But I think that we, the good guys, we always build the right tools. So we provide better defense capabilities and uh, security for, uh, for security teams that want to protect their assets and it's an ongoing process because with the new technologies there are always the new challenges and then comes the the new uh, capabilities to protect and so on so yes uh, it's a very busy world uh, i think that uh, all of us have uh, a lot of work <laughs> it will not be done in the near future but it will be fascinating i'm sure <laughs> 
<laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Well, thank you, uh, Colonel Lebetsky. I, I I do appreciate your handling of that question and and the uh, exchange that we just had. I think it was illuminating, and at least for me, and I'm I'm sure our audience would feel the same way. So. I appreciate you spending uh, 30 minutes of uh, your crazy day. I'm sure I don't know what time it is over there now, but it's probably late, right? I look forward to having you on the show again, maybe in six months or so. That would be great. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very, very much, Steve. Okay, Galit. Thank you again. This is Galit Lubetsky-Sharon, the co-founder and CTO of Wings Security. I'm Steve King. I'm your host. And uh, until next time, I'm going to sign off. Take care. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Unplugged. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook at Cyber Theory or send us an email at social at cybertheory.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybertheory.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, thanks again.